Whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. Hello and welcome to the I Could Never Do That podcast. I'm Carrie Barrett, and these are the stories of people who have gone into the arena and fought hard to achieve the unthinkable in spite of the fact that, yes, sometimes they are scared and do have some insecurities. Are you ready to go in? It's my hope that after hearing some of these interviews with thought leaders and artists, athletes, musicians, and entrepreneurs, that maybe you too will be able to go from, I could never do that, to, you know what? Maybe I can. (laughs) Well, if there was ever an I could never do that, this one might be it. My guest today, Raymond the Nudnik, is a master of what is known as artistic calisthenics, which basically is some crazy combination of pure grit strength, gymnastics, core work, Cirque du Soleil, and it is all done with the grace of a ballet dancer. He literally defies gravity, and anyone that specializes in something called the human flagpole is basically superhuman in my book. The way he controls his body and movements is, I mean, really otherworldly, especially coming from a woman who can barely touch her toes at this point. So yeah, I could never do that. But what I dig about Raymond is that he is an open book, both on his training and techniques, but also about his life philosophies. You know, think about when you're having the best dream. And you know, when you're having those dreams, time literally means nothing. It's like one second you're in a race car, the next second you are swimming across the Atlantic Ocean, and then you're doing some other crazy thing simultaneously. When you are having a lucid dream, time means nothing. Well, through his training and art form, Raymond wants to, as he says, live lucidly when hours feel like minutes because you are so in the flow of what you love. And that is certainly something we can all aspire to, whether or not we can ever do a human flagpole. He calls himself the Nudnik because it's a play on the Yiddish word for boring pest. But believe me, y'all, he is anything but boring. Please welcome Raymond the Nudnik. Raymond, the Nudnik, you and I, this is not our first conversation, actually. No, it is not. (laughs) So, but but, uh, I will say that I have met you virtually before in context of another interview that you did with Rip Esselstyn on the Plant Strong podcast. And you and I did a a pre-interview to sort of check your sound and your audio and get and get some some background information and and we have become fast virtual friends texting back and forth in support of each other and so i got selfish and oh, dare i say dare i say we both got selfish and we're like well we need to have a chat absolutely <laughs> i'm so excited to be talking yeah. to you and and to carry on and expand upon our our pre-interview session for plants i'm just so excited to be talking to you this is this is really going to be fun and we're becoming very quick virtual friends Carrie. so i'm very it's excited for more discussion so Yes, it's so true. So, uh, and for people that aren't familiar with you, you have an art form and and it's a calisthenic art form and it's, but it's actually more than that. It's actually just gravity defying 
uh, eye popping. What in the hell is going on with your body? How do you get it to do that? It, to me, it's some some combination between parkour and gymnastics and dance and just brute strength, core. I mean, can you tell me it, what is your elevator pitch on what the hell it is that you do every day in the gym for hours? You actually did a very good, very, very good explanation of it right there. I mean, it really is all of that. There is the brute meathead strength. It's, I guess it's really just trying to take an exercise. To simplify it the most would be, you know, your physical practice, your workouts, staying fit, and just trying to make superhuman art of it. I'm basically trying to do anything that I've ever said. I could never do that. You know, <laughs> I'm just trying to, I'll, I'll try to do that. Anything I could never do that, I want to be able to do that. I want to... I want to turn I want to turn my workouts into a lucid dream. I want to experience flying while awake. Well, you do. Yeah, and you actually have moves like your flagpole signature moves that you do where you yeah, it is a dream where you can suspend your body at a 90 degree angle. I guess it's it's parallel to the earth, <laughs> but you're sideways. Uh yes holding on with your arms and your shoulders and your back uh, and, and suspending yourself in this parallel position to me is just, I, I mean, I could never do that. And that's why you're here. So yes. you, you I could never always, do that either. Yes. Yeah. I was going to say, you were not always stretch Armstrong, like you were not. <laughs> so can you just take me back to you as a kid and were you a gymnast were you a runner were you a weightlifter like where did this all even come from i've never even been inside of a gymnastics gym before so the early i guess the earliest inception of uh being obsessed with doing things i could never do was i guess i was like seven years old and i was obsessed with watching john claude van damme movies so <laughs> i wanted to do john john claude van damme spinning uh wheel kicks so bad the jumping uh wheel kicks so i went out in my backyard i filled up a plastic shopping bag with crushed up newspaper and hung it from a uh, a clothesline and then for weeks i would just go out in my backyard and just work on jumping wheel kicks and just spinning kicks, spinning kicks, spinning kicks until I got really good at them. I mean, I didn't have video cameras. I didn't have a cell phone, obviously, back then. It was, uh, I guess, what was that, 1989? And yeah, so that was my first experience of uh, seeing something, wanting to make it a reality and then being able to do it and just playing with that ever since. But yeah, that was the, the earliest memory of uh, seeing something, thinking I could never do that, and then being like, oh, now I can do that. All it took was a little practice and you know, just a little ingenuity with my mm-hmm. young seven-year-old body. <laughs> well, mine was similarly, however, a few years prior when every young girl wanted to be Mary Lou Retton uh, oh, with, with the gymnast Mary Lou of Retton. Of course, yeah. And watching her do her feats and I have yet to this day step have ever stepped foot in a gymnastics facility but I I remember vividly trying to emulate her and I I can't even do a cartwheel so you know it's I, I understand that that imagination that gets captured when you're young and you really do think that you can become that, you know, you see it, you can become it, you can believe it. And 
So you never took formal training. You, were you, were you like a stick and ball guy? Like where I played, did <laughs> I, I played a lot of sports, but I, I want to go back to something you just said real fast with the emulation of uh, emulating Mary Lou Retton and how I was emulating Jean-Claude Van Damme. And I think that's such an important process for overcome anything like where you, you think you could never do it. I think finding someone to emulate and learning how to mimic, I think it's the most important quality that someone can develop when trying to evolve past themselves. Because anytime we try to take on one of these skills, we're obviously trying to evolve past our baseline of what we're capable of. Obviously, at seven, I wasn't capable of doing jumping wheel kicks or anything like that. You weren't capable of doing Mary Lou Retton's uh, fantastic routines. So it's essential to emulate first. Anything I've ever done, I always emulated first. Now, uh, going back to what you're saying was a, uh, I'm sorry, uh, a stick and ball guy. Uh, yeah, I played I played all the sports except for uh, football and soccer. So both of the football variations. So okay. every every sport other than that, though, my main sports were uh, basketball, ice hockey and just other things. But then uh, tree climbing was huge for me when I was 13. I was just obsessed with it. I mean, uh, you were parkour before parkour was parkour. Kind of, except parkour parkour would have been more jumping out of the tree. I was just trying to run up and get up the tree as fast and creatively as possible, but I was terrified of falling out of the yeah. tree. So I can't yeah. I can't claim any of that uh parkour bravery. I did not have the guts and I still don't. Parkour is way too dangerous for my for me. Oh my god, funny. That's just so funny that you say that, having watched a bunch of your routines now. It, yeah, that, that blows my mind that anything would, would frighten you. Now you grew up and you still live on Long Island. Yeah. Yes. What part, yes. what part of Long Island? I, I live in Huntington. I grew up in Syosset. So uh, I guess halfway between Manhattan and the Hamptons uh, on the North shore. I love the South shore beaches. So that's, that's really my main love of Long Island is the beaches in the summer. And I want to go somewhere else too cold in the winter, but everyone, I lo- everyone I love is here. So stuck here. Nah, I wouldn't say stuck. I would say yeah, meant, I'm meant to be attached, there. attached, <laughs> attached, in, attached, in attached in a good place. Exactly, exactly. But so I, I did know that even though you weren't, you know, football, soccer guy, um, you were athletic as you mentioned. But then you you got into grappling, and how does one find their way into becoming a fighter. That was actually much later on. So that was uh, in my very late 20s. I had a background in a lot of martial arts. So like growing up, I did a lot of the striking martial arts. And then I was just watching the UFC. And uh, I was like, yeah, I could do this. Why not? <laughs> Why not try it? Of course, you're almost 30. You might as well start it out. I tried it out. I started it out. I thought I was going to be fighting and all that. I learned really quickly. I don't like getting punched in the head on a regular basis. So I was like, yeah, maybe not that. But this this whole uh, human chess on the ground thing, this is pretty fun. And I guess, you know, I, I, w- I wasn't quite so protective of my joints as I was with, uh, you know, brain injuries. So I, I really took to that. Um, it was everything. I, I, I wrestled when I was in high school. But the whole the pinning aspects, it like just didn't make that much sense to me. But I really enjoyed the technique of wrestling and the and the body manipulation and control of it. I just didn't really like the uh, point structure system. It just it just didn't make much sense to hold a person on their back. But then the grappling, I mean, you fight from your back. There's this fighting from a submissive position and uh, from from like a, a, you know where you can actually attack someone who's dominant again. I just found it everything about it to be fascinating. So 
went with that. Uh, the cool thing was uh, years later, I ended up defeating someone uh, like who inspired me to get into the sport, one of the pro fighters on the UFC. And so that, that, that was a cool little full circle that went on. But short-lived, very short-lived pro career. I got, I got too old too quickly. Obviously, I was too old getting into it. And really, I mean, pro career was just invitational matches where I won a whopping hundred dollars yeah that's what you said, said. <laughs> big, big time big time pro athlete oh yeah, yeah yes. yes yes chipotle yes. here we come yes big time <laughs> yeah. yeah i didn't yes. know what to do with all that money <laughs> yeah. yeah well so you um you possess and we will dig deeper into this you possess just this wild philosophical brain and you started to talk about you know you kind of alluded to it earlier when you're talking about you know emulation and and becoming something that you never thought that you could do but i i have to guess and i don't know that were you always just sort of up here in your head very ethereal or were you like thug guy who wanted to wrestle no, no, I was always very much about the art of it and uh, the art of everything. I, I, everything I approach comes from a background of art. So my mom really exposed me and I did a ton of art. So really, my background is entirely in every modality of art, whether it be drawing, painting, you know, anything. Uh, then later on, I, I did art. Uh, sports in the background, but particularly martial arts really also shaped my brain patterning with the I, I always adored the structured body movement of traditional martial arts katas. So mar traditional martial arts are, get, get a lot of disrespect in the uh, fight world ever since uh, the UFC and MMA took prevalence. But um, I still think they're incredible for um, mobility, body mechanic development. I think they're really, really good for athleticism, particularly Taekwondo, which is an art that I never practiced, but that's something I plan on having my son do for uh, development of athleticism and mobility and flexibility that will last with him forever. But most importantly, that I took from the martial arts, and I guess it carried over so nicely from the background of uh, traditional arts and fine arts, was just the structured mechanics of using my whole body to create art now rather than just the fine motor skills in my hands and um it just what i also liked about the martial arts is the movement pattern it taught me to see movement and conceptualize movement and because each movement it was would be kind of presented as a dance but each dance also had an interpretation of like a weapon skill or a block or some form of a strike or combat combat role as well so there was multiple interpretations and it really started bleeding over and, and putting the two together where there's, you know, there is the poetry, the interpretation, the metaphor of fine art. And then I saw that it was there in movement art. And I obviously, I just never took to dance. I guess I was, yeah, I, there is the thug aspect of that. So I was, I was like, I don't, I, I'm too <laughs> yeah. cool. I don't want to get made fun yeah. of by my peers. I, you know, I want to be popular and stay cool with all the, all the cool kids. I can't be dancing, but now I do more ballet type stuff because I don't care about anything anymore. But yeah, it was really fine art then the structured, uh, then uh, the physical art of martial arts and that carried over into, that really is what laid all the groundwork that eventually became me today. Okay, that's, yeah, that, that that's amazing. And the fact that I feel like when you're talking about martial arts too, there's, there's just like this air of uh, grace, but also like of patience when you are, even if you are up against an opponent, there 
that that strategy behind the movements and being patient with everything I feel must translate into your daily philosophy. So much so, especially later on with the grappling. And when I say grappling, it's really just a combination of all the grappling sports, whether it be folk style wrestling, freestyle wrestling, Greco-Roman wrestling, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, judo, catch-as-catch-can wrestling, just everything, sambo, all of them mixed together. So all of the uh, grappling arts. What that really exposed me to, because grappling more so than in striking, striking in, in, in traditional martial arts, again, I come from it from a background of uh, Shirinru and Kung Fu, so karate and uh, Chinese Kung Fu, but I do, I'm not as knowledgeable in the striking, but striking, I, I seem more like checkers to me, whereas once, once I got exposed to the grappling arts, it really, the longer I got, I was practicing it, and the more knowledgeable and skilled I became at it, the more it really, really presented itself as checkers, I mean, not as checkers, excuse me, as chess, and there was so much strategy behind it, and how once I started seeing it as it's just basically different levels, so it really, many of these skills, what I do, so much of the interaction with the outside world, uh, communicating with people, I found it to be kind of like you're, you're basically overcoming your fear. It's all about learning what level of fear you're going to encounter and how to control your fear. And then that's basically the system. The system is just going to be gaming fear based on experience levels. So like when, when I first started grappling, I, I basically could have a whole chess move set like a whole sequence of patterns i could use because i would know people's fear responses to whatever stress i put them under so if i if i triggered any type of stress in a person it would trigger like a very predictable fear response that that they would then respond to and i could game it like that and get moves ahead of them and start setting up uh, traps and then really every level that you acquire and every level you rise up it's really just a different level of fear responses based on stress. So no, so no matter what, even once you get to the top level, it's really just, then it, it's fun because then you have to start using incorrect fear responses. And that's how you trick the person who already knows all the correct fear responses. And then that really just carries over into everything. So much of it is just your interaction, your your subconscious reaction to, to stress and how to overcome your fear and staying calm under fear. And it's the same thing with what I do. Now, I mean, when I'm doing a one-arm handstand on a BOSU ball, based on different experience levels, when I'm helping people that are coming to it, I know what their fear responses are going to be. I know what their stress responses are going to be. Now, where I'm trying to take it to different places, I know where my stress responses will be. I know where, like, I'll, I'll have my fear. Everything is basically everything that I've ever experienced. It, it, it's basically just stress responses based on how much you've encountered and dealt with that fear. Okay, so you're you're t you're chatting with a middle-aged woman. I'm I'm rounding the corner to 50 faster than I can even imagine and fantastic shape. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, God but in part, but but part of that is because of of discipline yes. which is also a requirement of of the type of art that you do, but a um, couple of places I want to go with this. And so first I'm going to start with, okay, because I am super, like I'm, I am an endurance junkie, like many people who, who listen to this particular show. So if you tell me to go run 15 miles tomorrow, I'm like, sweet, excellent. Like I will develop the plan. I will, I will know what my pacing is. I I know what my stress response is to, to that 
task. Um, yes. I also do other workouts that ha- that are very defined. So, you know, on, on one day I'm going to go to the track and then the next day I'm going to do hill repeats. So everything is sort of locked into this training pattern to, to get to where I want to go, whether it be a race or a time result or whatever. Whereas what you're doing, I've heard you say that when you go to the gym every day, you don't have a workout planned, so to speak. So how then are you challenging yourself? So what does it look like when you go to the gym this afternoon and you spend four hours, how do you even know what you're going to do that day? So I don't. What I'm going to do is whatever my body allows me to do. And my only rule is I have to do something that I've never been able to do before. So I have to do something new every single time. And essentially what I'm doing is I'm overcoming the fear that I won't be able to do it. So rather, so, and then in, in all that and understanding the fear response, basically my job is to just stay as clear headed and as calm as possible, accept my limitations and then go for it. So to even bring it back to overcoming fear response and typical stress responses, when you're running and you're doing all that, I mean, really what's limiting you, it's not so much your ability. It's like, let's say you're doing a race and, um, you're afraid that you won't make the time you want. I mean, your fear response will dictate how much energy you expend, how quickly you expend that energy, how 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 quickly you run out of energy based on that fear response. So, I mean, really, I just see everything as a response to fear and overcoming fear and basically using timelessness of love to overcome fear. And uh, that's what I'm doing. So by me, I'm loving my practice to overcome the fear that my body won't be able to do something in that day. That's really what it is anything I'm able to do as long as I've never done it before. And, and might that be, because it doesn't have to be some major move that you've never done before or something that the world has never seen, but for you, something I've never done before. Exactly. And it might, and that might be like getting your toes to point a little differently than it has or, or be able to hold your flag, maybe five more seconds. I I don't know what, I don't know what that would look like for you, but it, it, it sounds like it's like these little, even the mini smallest things. Yeah. Anything. If I can, you you said five seconds longer. If I could hold five milliseconds, five, five tenths of a, you know, like five tenths, that would just be half. If I could hold like, <laughs> if I could f- hold like five thousandths of a second longer with better form, I'll take it. Anything I could do that I've never been able to do before that. So anything, if, if I just change the sequence of movement patterns to a way I've never done it before, if I approach from an angle, I've never done it before, anything, just anything better and different than I've done before that. So what's your, what, what is then your advice for people who um, might be stuck in this, as I described what I do, this more traditional approach to, to training where I have, I almost have to lock myself into a situation where I'm like, okay, here's the workout. Here's this, like, what is your advice for somebody who feels stuck in that pattern of doing the same thing? Yes. The best way to break that pattern is I'm going to go back to my, my uh, origins in fine art. So the beauty of fine art that's unique as opposed to physical art is you have a 
finished piece at the end. So you can always compare your progress. You always have something to judge your, your work by. You could see the progress. You could just look at the piece and see everything that made it. So really like, that's why I create these videos and I post these videos because now I have finished art pieces. I could see the, prog the progress. I could see the process. I could see the changes in my movement pattern. I can see the ever increasing body of work changing and, and, and evolving and bettering with the, so, for anyone who feels, I, I just, I, I really almost, anyone I work with, anyone I help, I insist that they film themselves doing everything. Because you if you're doing a physical practice, and I know it's difficult to film yourself while running, but really not. If there's a way you could film your gait, film your differences in stride, film your differences in... Running is nice too, because you could wear the wristbands, you could ch check heart, heart, you know, any way you can get data. I, I, I enjoy visual data because I, again, I want to influence and, and the human mind is really, really programmed and tricked by visual stimulus and visual data. That's why the media is so powerful. Hollywood is so powerful. If you could see yourself, anything you see, you'll just believe so much stronger, but any data Will help you. It will help you surpass and and go past any of these limitations. So it's really like I think of it like drawing a picture. Mark your progress by creating a work of art out of what you're doing. So if you any way if if again like so if you're just tracking your heart rate during during running, that's a beautiful way. I mean, you'll have a little work of art at the end of it that you can at least see your progress on. So every day, that's why I make videos every day. I film everything I do because I want to make these works of art that will really not only just strengthen my belief, form the movie of my life that I'm then, you know, programming myself with, but it's just that that body of work are the grains of sand that form the paradise beach that I hope to retire on someday. Oh, that's so great. Thank you for that. You're you go by the Nudnik. That is your yes. Instagram handle. That is your TikTok handle YouTube, everything YouTube. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what, what in the hell is that? <laughs> what's, what's, Boring yeah. test in Yiddish. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I get the test part, but not the boring part. I'm just kidding. Um, it's, it's, it's all tongue in cheek. And it, it also helps me uh, to not get overblown with my self-importance and my ego. I do like to be very I like to make fun of myself quite a bit. You know, it's so funny because before I chatted with you, and now I think we've chatted two or three different times, but but in researching um, you and your channels for these various interviews, if it like it's a you're a hard bird to read too because you are um, it's stoic is not the right word, but you're 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 deadpan <laughs> a lot of the time. And when you're talking about the bros and when you're talking about some of your philosophies, you watch it and you're like, this guy is like, I don't know if he's hysterical or if he's like off the cliff somewhere. Um, is, is he taking himself way too seriously in all of this? Like, so set the record straight. Like, who, who are you if you were to describe you as the nudnik? I am many different people. I am what I like to consider controlled and um, yeah, con controlled schizophrenia, essentially. These, I, these, are, these are like a whole bunch of caricature suits that I like to wear based on, on the different, that's, that's why I never put my full name out there. I like going under a pseudonym, the Nudnik. I, I just, I enjoy having characters I could slip into. The real me is, 
I'm goofy. I'm I'm just I'm an amalgamation of all these things. But yeah, mostly mostly I'm goofy. I'm very rarely serious. I'm I'm I'm, I'm a clown. I'm I'm constantly joking, constantly just inappropriate with my humor. Just silly. I, like everyone who knows me thinks I'm I'm nuts. I'm I'm <laughs> I'm. A, and then yeah, then I'll I'll do whatever the situation calls for. So whatever 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 costume I have to wear for the situation I enjoy wearing. I love it. But, but, but I, but, but yet there's this deep authenticity to who you are as well and unapologetic about it as well. And you have some amazing thoughts and philosophies on life, which uh, you communicate so uniquely and so well that it, it, in a few videos that I've watched, and we'll definitely put some in the show notes, you'll say something that I'm that more than once I found myself going, that is exactly how I feel, how I have never been able to word it like that. And it's and it's things like with the way you even describe your calisthenics and your workouts, it's just you say you want to fly, you want to find yourself in this continuum where time and space don't matter. And, and to me, that is like the ultimate definition, if we could ever get there, of being absolutely present. And I know there are a few times when I am running or if I'm in a race and I'm concentrating, or even if I'm like working so hard that your brain cannot think of anything else in that moment, like that is the best feeling in the world. And so can you expand on that? Just, just like your philosophy on what we as humans, regardless of our interests should, should try to strive for in life. So what, what I, so to go deeper into all that, since I've said this in so many different ways, it's really what I'm striving for is love and fear. So the timelessness of love where an hour feels like a second and the timelessness of fear where a second feels like an hour. And I need to have both present. So I'm going to focus and try to always convert fear into love. I'm trying to convert a currency of fear into love. So in my practice of what I'm doing, I'm searching for that timelessness. And really the only way for me to find it is by doing things that are terrifying. And then the same thing with my practice and putting myself out there and sharing it. I'm trying to help people and create something that's timelessness and help people get outside of time. And the only way to do that is to put myself out there and be judged and be terrified of doing it. So it's really just the ever present cycle balance of love and fear and then the chemicals that they release in your head and trying to drug myself on those. I mean, I don't want to fear it. So, so much from fighting was overcoming the adrenaline response because the adrenaline dump will just destroy you. It's, it's, it's bad. It's chaotic. It, it destroys the presence. It's, it's not, adrenaline's not good. I mean, it can save you. It can save someone you love if you need it. But when you're, when you're living in these states, it's bad. No good. No good. So overcoming that love. I mean, again, love it. It's, everything in life but if you only have love you can get overwhelmed and eaten by it and and consumed by it and just start you know love too much and 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 degrade yourself or like take time away from others you love love can be also be very selfish at times too so it's just i just want to create a nice health healthy balance of ever-present love and ever-present fear and i want to always 
do my best to convert that fear into love and then just create the cycle. So as some fear turns into love, new fear will present itself or new love that I create through through the fear will then create new fears, which I must, must overcome. For instance, like the birth of my son, that, that created a whole new level of fear that I then have to convert into love for him and that vulnerability. Same, every, every path, it's just an ever-present cycle of love and fear cycling and creating itself. Is it the chicken or the egg syndrome, which I know we're both vegans, so that's probably the worst ex- example and, and yeah. fun I could have thrown out there, but but meaning which comes first, fear or love? I don't think there's one. I don't think there's one without the other. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm like, okay, does fear fear creates the stimulus response, which then brings you to love. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and yet then something new, like a, something new has to happen to allow that stimulus response to bring fear again. And I, and I almost, it sounds like, gosh, uh, I hope I'm, I hope I'm um, representing this correctly. Like so many of us are stuck in the pattern of maybe we love and we're great at loving, but we're not so great at seeking out those things that we fear because we're afraid of failure. <laughs> and, and so we, we don't get to that next cyclical round because we're stuck. And um, is, d- does, that sound, does that sound right? Like, is that almost like this frustration that you sense ab- about the world in general? I'd say one of my biggest frustrations I sense is just the word failure in general. There is no such thing as failure. Failure is only when you stop pursuit. So there, there's only, there's never failure. There's only end of a path. So it, your path, wherever it's leading to, you've only failed once you've given up and walked away. There is no such thing as fa- every, every failure is a, is a huge success moving forward. It's, it's, it's again, the grain of sand that forms the paradise beach. I, all my failures have led to success. They've all created the body of success. And, uh, and what you're saying, chicken or the egg, I don't think either can exist without the presence of the other. Like, can you truly love something if you don't fear that you can lose it? And can you be fearful of something if you're, there's nothing you love that can be taken from you? You know, like if you hate your life and you don't love yourself, are you afraid of death? No, of course not. <laughs> no, no. Or me. Yeah, yeah. I. That's a great question. That's yeah, a I great question. Th- I don't think I, I mean, this whole idea. I mean, if, if you even want to go to, into the like the religious or spiritual domains, like there's sure. everyone thinks of this thing of like God battling the devil. It's like, all right, well, if God exists, God also created the devil. So, I mean. He's, why would why would he be in battle with his own creation or God? It's just it doesn't make sense. I mean, I I think we judge these things as good or bad. We fear these things, but I don't know. It's just all it's all part of the creation. So I guess just find whatever makes time go away in the creation and confront fear. And you know, just as time is dilating down and a you know an hour is a, a, a second feels like an hour, just try to make that hour feel like a second. Just keep messing with time trying to get outside of the fourth dimension try to conquer the fourth dimension that's what everything is essentially it's just i think life is just a battle with time i mean all of human struggle it it, it all you know fear 
it boils down to fear. And what is t- fear really? It's fear is time. It's Kronos. It's Saturn. <laughs> if I'm going off the rails too much. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. no. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking this boy was not raised Southern Baptist. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, like what was, I was your raised Lutheran. Okay, okay, I mean, yeah. as vanilla as it can get, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, like, uh, Catholic girl right here. So I, I understand those very traditional definitions of good and evil that as we get older, as you say, I'm like, doesn't really make that much sense so much, you know, it was, it was great to learn in Catholic school, but like I'm challenging a lot of that stuff now too. So you were raised Lutheran. So when did all of this spirituality and this, uh, this bigger mindset, coming to time. play yeah you know just, just your thoughts I, think, I, I i love talking to you so i'm gonna go out there with a deeply personal uh uh please you know inception story on this one yeah, yeah. so w- when i was 19 i was I, I never did much uh you know like the only drug i've ever done is is uh pot is mm-hmm. you know weed marijuana so yeah. when i was 19 i didn't i didn't do much when i, I never really liked drinking I, I i just i smoked some pot when i was 19 i took like one hit Nothing wrong with it, but just it opened something in my head where I experienced the time was not real at all. So I just I looked up and the whole concept of time had ended for me. So I got up and I just I was in my house. I looked around my house. I had seen every footstep I had ever taken. All of all of my life was overlapping, like just it was just holograms on top of each other. I just saw glowing footsteps all over the ground, just all signifying paths that I'd taken in my life. It was crazy. Like it took me, took me years to, to get over it. And now looking back on it, I've been trying to chase myself back to that. It was the most terrifying experience I ever had in my life. I whited out at one point. I thought I had died. I couldn't even like really talk to people for two weeks following. And then I had crippling anxiety for, my entire 20s i basically wasted my 20s based based on just crippling anxiety from from that one experience and uh then as i was approaching 30 and i guess i was living more you know messing with time and approaching fear and constantly in an adrenalized state i was working a very dangerous job i'd gotten back into the fighting and all that and uh I think just confronting the fear and understanding the time manipulation of fear, it uh, it opened something up in me where I then became obsessed with reconfronting it, and then it just changed everything. So by confronting the fear and if experiencing the love and understanding the falsehood and the the lies of the entire fourth dimension, I just don't believe in time. I believe in time is basically just like ch- chemical manipulation in your brain, and um, yeah, it got me obsessed with it and. You know, I'll bring up the I, I, the mythology of time, your Kronos, your Saturn, like it's just fascinating, fascinating mm. time. It's it's always been an obsession of time. That's 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 my obsession in life is time. It's amazing, and uh, I'm I'm taking a hard pivot, but I think that they're related. When did you become vegan and plant based, and when did that? uh, ethical aspect become important to you? It was, it was eight years ago that I know of, it might've been a little longer than eight years, but I know it was a uh, little over eight years ago. Cause I was looking back at old YouTube videos and they're like coming up on nine years. And I was talking about veganism 
and uh, so at least eight, almost 10 years now. So early 30s. Did that influence uh, or your relationship um, once you were confronting your anxiety and and these fears and challenging time? Like, did that bring up this need to not have uh, death on your plate um, or or in your system? Yes, uh, I think I think really what it was is I just. I didn't care what the consequence was anymore. So I, I had always wanted to stop eating animals and just get away from that because I always knew it was wrong. But I was always like, well, but what about me? I need to be as strong as possible. I need to be muscular. I need to do all this, blah, 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 blah. I'm a bro. You know, I don't, I don't want to be a weakling. I got to be a bro. Got to have good, good looks. Good, blah, blah, blah. blah. Got to be strong. I just didn't care anymore. Like, I just, I, I, some, I just, I wasn't afraid of anything really that much anymore. So I, and I wasn't afraid of what it would do to me. I, I, I trusted that it would only benefit me. And I mean, I'm at a point now where like, if I was in a, in a live situation and a plane crashed in, in the forest, obviously I'm not going to eat a person, but I wouldn't even eat a squirrel if it meant live. I don't, I don't care. I would just die. It is what it is. Yeah. You said that like, your uh, your body won't allow itself to eat animals at this point. My, my body would. I'm sure I'm not one of those vegans where like, I don't know, some vegans say like if they ate meat, they'd be sick. Like when I was vegetarian, like when I fell off the wagon, like once, uh, I think I fell off the wagon like two or three times during my 13 year stretch with uh, vegetarianism. And uh, I didn't get sick at all when I went back to eating meat. I, I think my body would be fine. I think the body's really adaptable. I just wouldn't want to change my microbiome at this point. And I don't think my mind would be fine. I don't want to poison my mind with the toxins and the neurotransmitters that different species of bacteria in my microbiome would eat. It would uh, release based on uh, the animal consumption. But at the end of the day, I just I wouldn't want to I wouldn't want to challenge my soul with even the risk of survival. I just I don't care. And like like what we were saying with uh, fear and just time it's 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 the number one thing in all of the human journey is like eternal life how do we, how do we stop the clock how do we do all that i don't want to stop the clock i want to i want i don't want to live forever i want forever to feel like a second that's what i'm trying to do so if if i die in the process because my choices i just i don't care it is what it yeah. is yeah yeah i i i feel the same way um i once again could not communicate it as eloquently as you communicate it but I do feel like you're welcome. I do feel like if I, even if research came out tomorrow that being vegan and eating a plant-based diet wasn't healthy, I don't care. Like I, I, I would not change. I, it doesn't, it doesn't matter to me because I have made, um, I think I'm 14 years into my journey at this point. And so I, I just, I do feel like what may have started for my health and cholesterol and all of those markers, uh, those are less important to me than, than the havoc that, uh, that I would be wreaking if I, you know, went back to eating meat. Um, and you're right. Like the, the, the gut brain connection is something that we are just now starting to learn. Thanks to a lot of research and doctors out there now that, you know, that we really are learning. You are what you eat. 
and it influences moods. It influences your risk of dementia. It influences um, mental health as a whole. So, um, so yeah, I, I appreciate I appreciate your perspective. I happen to agree with it. But even if people who like even people that are listening that that don't agree with it, it doesn't matter. You know, like it's it's like be you, right? It's a it, for me. It's a commandment from my God. So there is literally nothing that could be said to me. I don't care if I die tomorrow. I'm just not doing it. It it it, it does not matter to me. And I, I, it's like, it's so strange, like with the whole, like we, we communicate in chemicals. I really think that we communicate with whatever our higher power is, whatever we would consider God, whatever, maybe you consider it your higher self. I really believe we communicate through chemicals. I mean, you have endless re- research showing like the tryptamine molecules, you know, you have your, your, your psychedelic research, you know, the God molecule, you have DMT, you have all of these things, you have all these neurotransmitters, all this gut microbiome releasing neurotransmitters. I just think we communicate with infinity through all these chemicals that we produce within, that we have receptors. Why, like, if if this isn't supposed to happen, why are there receptors for it? So for me, it just really is some kind of chemical was released in me and, you know, the communication came down not to allow these chemicals to be released in my body and my gut microbiome anymore. And that's it. That's, that's my job. I have to listen to whatever this communication is fully. And that's how I live my life. So it's this, I don't care. I could be starving to death and have one day left of life and just be steak and ribs are delicious. I could be in a forest of nothing but, but beef spare ribs or whatever. I don't, I don't even know the lingo anymore, but it doesn't matter. I'm just dying. You'll find me dead. You'll find me dead in a supermarket surrounded by meat. I just don't care. (laughs) Dead looking like the statue of David, by the way, like, yeah, well, I don't know. By then I might be pretty sunken. I'll be, uh... (laughs) but it is what it is. Well, as it is now, you do look like the statue of David. Thank you. It, uh, an animated statue of David wearing clothes. I appreciate clothes. that. So, yes. yeah, like I can't speak for the entire statue of David. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Only the parts that you show us on YouTube. Um, yes, yes. Fully clothed. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, semi clothed. Mostly, mostly, mostly pants. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're pants. I yeah, guess, I'm, pa- I'm yeah. wearing pants. I'm wearing I'm wearing lower <laughs> yeah. body garments usually. Sometimes, yeah. unfortunately, upper body. Yeah, yeah. I guess if you're what do they when you go to Lifetime to work out, do they make you wear a top or no? Yeah, yeah unfortunately, think, uh, corporate just, corporate gyms. Yeah, it takes away from the art of the movement. I, I like the, the the entire body. I like the, the 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 movement to be seen, but it is what it is. Yeah. Well, and you have uh, as we've said, TikTok, YouTube. You have created uh this you have amassed a huge following on all of your platforms and and yet you haven't what i again what i love is like it's not like you are um out there seeking hey follow me follow me 10 steps to six pack abs or you want to get biceps do my master class i mean like none of that nonsense you're, you're not doing any of this to make money. You're not doing any of this to convert people to any way of living. You just put these videos up there, which essentially become free tutorials for people who uh, are interested and that want to, to learn, but you got, you've got no ulterior motives. 
at least from what I can tell. <laughs> like, and so that's why I'm like, who is this guy? He's such an enigma. So how do you, like, how did you amass all of these followers the right way? Inst- Instagram, it was originally from putting out free tutorials and free educational content that really provided me with a lot of opportunities and a lot of connections and just uh, a lot of awareness of who I was. TikTok was um, just, I mean, really, my account grew tremendously just from one human flag video and uh, I guess male pole dance. <laughs> interpretation by is the viewer is that the hashtag that you're using no no, 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 <laughs> I'm like, no no that's no. what it is that's no what no i just I, I thought i was doing human flags <laughs> and uh and then uh youtube grew uh i, I had a at a one-arm handstand video go extremely viral so that gave me a nice youtube following and that, that was really the secret for it. I, I am actually, uh, unfortunately, my con- commercial construction business, and I'm just not like, it, it's not doing well. So I'm like, eh, I, I, I want to focus on this full time. There's a lot of different things I'm working on. So I will be transitioning towards making money from this in the future, but not at, not at all in the traditional influencer routes at all or anything like now that I plan on doing certain things that will monetize, it's more from companies and like, you know, bringing product, bringing, bringing products to market and then um, one-on-one working as opposed to like selling generic pro- uh, programs and stuff like that. And as I do that now, like I, it's re reinvigorated me to like start making more educational content and more free stuff. So I guess that's different too, where the more like I will transition towards trying to feed myself off of this art so I could do it full time because realistically I, I realized if if I, if I am going to another industry or another career it's just I'm not going to do this anymore because it's you know this is really at the end of the day I'm just making videos for myself to watch that's really my primary objective that's why I don't care I just want to I want a body of work that I could look at and I can grow with I don't it I don't know. I get treated better in person than I do online. So like, (laughs) well, yes, that's, um, that's the nature of the world we live in now. Do you have a bunch of trolls? No, not really. I mean, everyone's really nice, but I don't know. Everyone's really nice in person. So it's like the whole fake internet fame thing is poison anyway. Oh, so gross. It's so gross. That's why it does surprise me that, you know, you, it's somewhat surprising that you have you have amassed a following as large as you have on all of your platforms, and yet it's something that you you actually just detest. Like you yeah. detest the attention, you everything about pop culture and the societies uh, and the way in which we live is just like it's so it, it, What's the right word? Like and well, it's just not antithetical. <laughs> antithetical. Thank you. Yeah. I was like, is that the right word? Yeah, it's, yes. it's antithetical to how you live internally and how you feel. And so that's why it's like, do you find yourself bumping up against that uh, resistance of like, oh, I've got to put another video up because people want another video, but yet like, or do you just, this is for me and whatever happens, happens. So there, it's like everything. There's there's double sides to everything. I think I've quit Instagram like three times already. <laughs> like it's just, you know, I'm constantly in a battle with caring about like because uh, 
sometimes the algorithm favors me. I've had periods where it's really fair. And then like I have periods where I think I'm shadow banned because of what I'm saying, because I'll just be, it's ridiculous how low some of my, like the views, will, I always have good engagement, but the views will just be like, this is suspicious what's going on here. And then like, and you know, so there's the part of me where it's like, oh no. And then, then they, they, so there's always the internal battle. There's always the hypocrisy of caring and not caring. But I think at the end of the day, what really keeps me doing this is I see how much it helps people. I have so many beautiful interactions. Um, I see so many people around the world doing my vi my version and my my interpretation of what this is. And then I also see them making it their own. I've had so much feedback about how much it's helped them grow and it's helped them like challenge the way they look at things and change the way they look at things and change the way they do things. And like, you know, especially with like the way that I present diet and exercise is like completely instinctual, not following programs, not, you know, just doing your best version of what you in instinctively know how to do. Uh, it's helped a lot of people. So then there's also, so that gets me past the, the whole selfish aspect of caring about views and growth and all that. But then it also, because everything's, everything's a dichotomy, everything's duality. So then there's also the problem, though, if I want to help as many people as possible, then I also have to reach people because you can't really help people shouting into an empty room. So it's just, it's, again, it's love and fear. It's the same thing. It's the, the love of trying to help people, the love of believing in myself. And then the fear when the algorithm's not there, that the, the fear that, you know, like, oh no, am I, am I past my prime? Does nobody care anymore? Have I jumped the shark? Have I done the Fonzie? Or <laughs> then there's, there's also like, you know, or there's, there's, or will society get in too much? Am I, am I becoming something I detest? Am I becoming just a hypocrite? It's, it's just the ever- present mm -hmm. cycle so mm -hmm. it, it it's a battle I think that any of us who participate in in the game of social media I think it is a battle that we all play anytime I hit publish on it doesn't even matter if it's a picture of my cat you know it's like you can't hit post without going okay what do I want from this like why am I posting this photo of my cat or me at the ACL festival or me doing this or like my Garmin times that tells the world that I did something that makes no difference. You know, like it, it is a battle in the game that we're all, that we're all playing right now. I, I want, I do want to come full circle and come back to, um, as somebody who is a beginner, because, okay, if you go to look at your videos and, and by golly, I'll be putting a bunch of them on the website and, and all, all of your social handles, because I want people to get enraptured and you will get enraptured because you spend half the time going, there's no way that there's, there's like a string or there's something on this guy. But um, as if I wanted to just if I wanted to just get stronger and more mobile, all right, like stiff middle-aged woman right here who can only move really in one direction and that's forward in a straight line. Um, how would, what, what's my entry point into your work? Like, how could you help me just even start <laughs> to, to know what my body is capable of? That is a very long question. And I hope I'm asking it on behalf of, all of the audience and not trying to just be selfish and talk about me because that's not what I want no, this to be it's, it's actually It's actually perfect. I love that you asked that and you phrased it perfectly. Thank Straight you. Straight line. 
that is that's the problem straight lines so everything that i do it's all just always been a focus of nonlinear movement patterns not focusing on the straight path but but like it's the the journey the path forget that just keep going zigzag it explore the weeds explore everything around it so everything that i do rather than doing reps and sets rather than taking the straight line to what it, what is perceived as the goal is trying to move in as many different ways as possible and from as many different patterns as possible combine as many different things as possible so no matter what your skill level is no matter where you're starting from just stop going in straight patterns even if it's just something as simple as just laying on the floor and standing back up how many different ways can you lay down on the floor and stand back up and you know what a lot of them are going to be really really difficult there are, there are ways that i could get off the floor that very few people would be able to do i mean just just anything you do just even walking in a straight line how many different walk patterns could you walk through always challenging yourself no matter so that that's the way i see it and that's what i try to teach people is no matter what level you're at you're going to be performing some kind of flow pattern so like no matter what you do it's going to be flow. even if you're just doing bicep curls or something as like as simple as you could think or just jogging right rather than just like what what is this arbitrary distance we're running you know what is this arbitrary number of curls that we're doing sure there's hypertrophy range endurance range there's different ranges strength ranges but at the end of the day like it's all just arbitrary it's really not that big of a difference like why not instead explore each one and be present for each one at the exact level you're at? So where I teach people how to handstand, it's just a frog stand. It's just balancing your elbows on your inner thighs and just supporting yourself there. But don't just support yourself there. Try to enter it from as many different places as possible. Challenge yourself with the movement pattern, instability patterns, go in and out of it. So no matter what, we're all at the exact same point, you and I, so when you say like middle-aged woman, this, that, you and I are the exact same person. We're all the same person. We're all having the same, we're all experiencing the same thing, but some of us have just been doing it differently and longer than others. So the things, I wanna be better. You wanna be better, correct? Like you wanna be able to do things you can't do. I wanna be able to do things I can't do. So no matter what point we're at, like there's no end goal. Like it's, it's human movement. There's no, never going to be a point where I'm going to be like, ah, got it all, got it all done. Nope. That's it. Walk away. So like I, everything I do, I'm like, how can I make it better? Everything you do, how can you make it better? And like, really, it's just for me, like, you can do anything you want. You could do it. But for me, it's never the straight line because it makes no sense. Like, why am I, why am I looking for a goal when there's no such goal? Like, I don't know where I'm going to end up. Also, why am I, why am I, why am I like determining the goal? Why am I placing a goal? A goal is just a limitation. I just want to go as far as I possibly can. If I try to conceptualize like the end point from whatever point I'm at, like I'm limited. I, whoever I will be like the person I am now versus who I am when I started, the person I was when I started could never even conceptualize who I am now or the things I've experienced or anything. If I would have tried to des design the journey back then, who knows that's like i don't want to design my journey in the future i just i just want to open as many doors and ex poke my head in as many doors as possible i never so that's what you should do rather than straight line every single thing you do try to be present and try to figure out a way to just do it in as many ways as possible because worst case scenario you're just going to expand your repertoire of available movements 
So like, again, just to bring it back to something as simple as standing up, laying flat on your back and getting back up. How many different ways can you do that? And truly how challenging could you really make it if you were just sitting there? Well, if you were just active and present and really, really, really thinking and being creative. And by the, by the end of 30 minutes of doing it, you're going to be smoked and you're going to be like, whoa, where'd all the time go? I didn't even realize I was doing this. Yes, yes. Because you've allowed yourself the freedom to let go and, and be a child again. There's something very childlike about what you're doing too. I mean, you're playing on gymnastics, you're playing on the monkey bars and and BOSU balls, and you're doing handstands. And so you're doing these beautiful childlike things that have just been beat out of us. And yeah, when we were kids, we had to figure out how to get up and turn over on our stomachs. I mean, what a, like the milestones of children, and I don't have children, you do, but the milestones of children are measured in, oh, he rolled over on his stomach today. Oh, he took, she took her first step. Oh, they've started to walk. Like those were milestones and, and, and see, and doing the impossible and allowing these kids to fall and get back up again. And they weren't thinking in their brain, wow, that looks really stupid. I shouldn't do that. Cause I'm going to fail again. Like there's none of that exists. And so it's like trying to recapture that. Uh, as as an adult, and I I, I will say like that there's a I, I do some work for another company called uh, Feisty Media, and it's a female run media company. And one of the things that we did, and it's, and it's the target audience is mainly like active athletic women, and so we did a reel, <clears throat> um, a TikTok reel, uh, where. It, it was like the, can you stand up without using your hands challenge? And, uh, and so we had like some younger women on our team do it, like film themselves. And one of the girls, she's, you know, in her twenties, but she was able to hold her bike, which weighs like 25, 30 pounds. Like she was able to hold it above her head and sit crisscross applesauce and like get up with her arms above her head. Now, I cannot do that because I can barely sit with my legs crossed. Like my hips are so tight. And so I was the only way that I could stand up without using my hands was I had to uncross my legs, then get on my knees and then stand up, which looked hilariously pathetic compared to, you know, next to, next to the young girl. But like when I'm hearing you say, experiment, try different ways. Like how many more ways can you do it? Then that just actually got me thinking of like, well, how can't, like how many ways can we do this? And, you know, selfishly, and this is like, I don't want to end on like a sad note, but like my father right now is in a position where he can't get out of bed anymore. He's done. Like can't, he's immobile. No, 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 that's okay. That's he's 87. He's lived a good life, but like, I don't want that to be me. My mom, on the other hand, 84 years old, like is robust, still cuts the yard, like is caring for him, is is like moving him around the house. And so like there's movement breeds movement, I think, you know, and I think the some of the secret in all of this is just to keep moving. Yeah. 
and differently and challenge yourself. Like you said, think of how difficult it was to get off the floor without using your hands. Huge challenge. And I think we get so jaded too in our perception of what, what we're supposed to do. Like just the milestones. When we were talking about children developing walking, we we're looking at it from a place of milestones. These milestones don't even matter. Like walking isn't just the milestone or like going from walking to running. There's uh, at first they walk with their hands up for balance. Then they're just walking with their shoulders up. Then their shoulders relax. There's so many small milestones that we don't even look at anymore because we're so jaded. We're so used to Hollywood presenting entire worlds unfolding in an hour and a half to two hours. And I really like what you're saying with your mother, the activity level. I really think the secret to life, at least as far as I can understand it in terms of the fountain of youth or just protecting yourself is strength and, and just staying strong. But most importantly, strength, this whole idea of like you, strength is not like just being able to press a barbell because that's a limited range of motion that strength really is the ability to handle every situation through as large of a range of motion as possible. So not just again, we, we, we have these limitations. We have these definitions. Strength is like a guy in a weight room doing this, doing like in a controlled environment. Strength, strength is everything. And, and at the end of the day, like what I do, calisthenics is the ability to move the body in, in, a, in freedom, just move as a large of range of motion from any angle, using your body, moving it however you want. You know, you're, Every, and everything is an opportunity. Your mother's chores, everything she's doing, like the more things we do with our body doesn't have to be an exercise. It could be gardening. My, my mother is, my mother is about to be 70, incredible, incredible shape from gardening, from getting up and down off the floor with, with grandchildren, from always being active and always using her body. It's a vehicle. This is the computer to the car. The soul drives the vehicle and operates it. Like just keep them all under use, keep them. You want a vehicle that has as many possibilities as, as, as there are, as many utilities as there are. Just do everything with your body and just explore everything you do and do as much of it as you can get as good a, at it as you can. Don't, don't look at milestones. Don't look at like the end. Don't look at any of that. Just keep doing exactly what you do. Get off the floor in as many different ways as possible. Don't compare yourself to the girl holding a, a bike above her head doesn't matter We're, you're all that you're you're all just doing the same challenge and that's the beauty of life somebody always has to be doing it differently than you there has if infinity exists and there has to be infinite nuance so everyone's got to do something differently if, if we're all doing the same thing then i hope the whole simulation collapses because there's really no infinity left so it's we're all on the same journey but we're all experiencing it in a completely unique way well, I could speak to you infinity to infinity and beyond. I like I, I always glean so much from you, Raymond. And I love talking to you, Carrie. It's it's such a great friendship. But I hope we talk more. Please, let's do like part two, three, however many. There will be there will have to be a series that I would love for it to be an interactive series where like we're walking through some some basic movements. Oh, I'd love that, to do that. Because I would love to continue to explore for for people who want to understand a little bit more about what what it is that you do. You know, I always I, I think calling it, you know, artistic calisthenics is it's a beautiful way of describing what you do, but I also think it's a limited description as well because calisthenics 
it feels like a throwback to the eighties when it was just like, you're just doing ab work or, yeah. you know, you're, yeah, you're just doing crunches or whatever nonsense that we've put ourselves through in the last 40 years to, you know, in the interest of getting a six pack abs, which really the, the way to do it is to do exactly what you're saying, which is just keep moving in as many directions and ways as humanly possible. Yeah, it's, it's just freedom of life, experiencing your life the way that you experience a dream. It's just making lucid living is, is essentially what it is. It's lucid physical living. And what I like about it is it forces everything. You have to learn more. You have to control your diet. You have to learn how to eat. You have to learn physics. You have to learn chemistry. You have to, you have to learn so many different aspects of this biochemistry. It's just, it's everything. It's just anything you do in life. It's just, if you really see it from from an artistic point where you want to put your spin on it, it's artistic living, artistic calisthenics, it's art and anything, artistic studying. Don't just, don't just regurgitate things, try to make everything your own. That's, I guess that's really what it boils down to is trying to really make your life exactly what you feel called to. That's really what it all boils down to. I mean, and it will materialize for everyone in different ways. It's materialized for me in this way. And it'll materialize for you differently. And I just, I guess that's the best way to describe it is just trying to lucid living, live, live lucidly in the dream that you've created for yourself. I've linked up some of his highlight videos and his social channels in the show notes. So I definitely recommend giving him a follow on all of his social channels at The Nudnik. Thanks for listening and supporting this independent podcast. I am off to learn to fly. Well, all right or maybe touch my toes. I'll see you next time on I Could Never Do That. And I always thank you for your support.